society always be aware of your surroundings. They are among us. They always have been. The true criminal minds, killers, evil, and some are monsters. Welcome to True Criminal Minds with Douglas Boyd. True Criminal Minds gives you the stories of the most notorious and the most vile among us. We do not cheer them. Rather, we expose their evil. We do always advocate, lift up, and pray for their victims. Welcome to True Criminal Minds. Thank you so much for joining us today on True Criminal Minds. I am your host, Douglas Boyd, and we are talking about the infamous, sick, twisted, demonic Ted Bundy. Let's continue it today. We've been talking about Ted Bundy. I saw an interview with some people who grew up near him who were childhood friends with Ted Bundy. And they said that Bundy had wonderful parents we often think of a serial killer as having an awful upbringing, being abused, being beaten, not fitting in. But Bundy had seemingly wonderful parents. A normal childhood in Sunday school every week. And yet, childhood friends said that there was something off about Ted Bundy. Something not right. Even as a child, people knew that something was wrong. One friend said that at scout camp, Ted went into the woods and built tiger traps. He would dig a hole and place sharpened sticks into that hole, and one young girl fell into one of these traps and was badly injured. What kind of child thinks this way? So from the very beginning, something was simply not right. Back to our timeline. Ted Bundy is now in prison for kidnapping, but he's been moved to Aspen, Colorado and charged with murder. On June the 7th, 1977, Bundy was moved to the Pitkin Courthouse in Aspen, Colorado for a preliminary hearing. And because he was representing himself, the judge, despite the fact that he was on charges for this grisly murder, the judge ordered his handcuffs and shackles to be removed. Man, the state of Colorado just blew it in so many ways. I'm not trying to blame anyone, but not only did they allow Ted Bundy to escape once, they allowed him to escape twice, and the second time had incredible detrimental consequences. During a court recess, he visited the law library where he was left alone, so he simply opened a window and escaped. For six days, he was loose on the run until he was finally pulled over by an officer in a, and he was in a stolen car. So back in jail in Glenwood Springs, Bundy was already planning a new escape, and Colorado authorities were about to prove what an inept system that they had. Somehow, while locked up, Bundy had maps, a saw, and $500 in cash. Bundy later said that Carol Ann Boone smuggled some of that in while visiting. I don't guess we'll ever know if any of that's true. But Bundy made a hole in the ceiling of his cell, and he crawled on through it. He didn't leave that night, but he made a series of practice runs. An informant in the prison would hear Bundy crawling around in the ceiling 
and told authorities who refused to do anything about it. On December the 30th, Bundy went for it. He broke through the ceiling and into an apartment of one of the head jailers who was out that evening with his wife. Bundy then stole the jailer's clothes and walked out the front door. What an epic failure for this jail in the state of Colorado. Days later, Bundy arrived in Tallahassee, Florida. And on January the 15th, 1978, Theodore Bundy entered the Chi Omega sorority house through a back door. And once inside, Bundy bludgeoned Margaret Bowman with a piece of oak firewood. Then he garroted her and began strangling her. Next, he entered the bedroom of 20-year-old Lisa Levy, and he beat her and strangled her, tore her nipple, severely bit her buttock, and sexually assaulted her with a bottle. In the next room, he attacked Kathy Kleiner, breaking her jaw and slashing her shoulder. In that room, he also attacked Karen Chandler, who he gave a concussion, a broken jaw, knocked her teeth out, and crushed her finger. Miraculously, Chandler and Kleiner survived the attack. After leaving the sorority house, Ted Bundy broke into the basement apartment and attacked student Cheryl Thomas. Cheryl Thomas was studying to be a professional dancer. Bundy dislocated her shoulder, fractured her jaw, and her skull in five places. And if the people in Colorado had simply done their job, this would have never happened. She was left with deafness and balance problems for the rest of her life, and it ended her dance career. On February the 8th, Ted Bundy stole a car and drove to Jacksonville, Florida, where he attempted to kidnap a 14-year-old but was challenged by her brother. Bundy then went to Lake City, Florida, where he kidnapped 12-year-old Kimberly Leach. Leach was found seven weeks later. She had been raped and her throat cut. Bundy eventually was stopped by Officer David Lee, who is a hero. As he was arresting Bundy, Bundy attacked Lee and fled. But Lee tackled Bundy, where the two wrestled over Lee's service weapon. Thankfully, Lee won, and Bundy was arrested. Here again is Ted Bundy's wicked yet intelligent criminal mind. Inside Bundy's stolen car was three sets of IDs. They belonged to students. Also found was a disguise. He had everything planned. He, he thought these things out. He thought them through. But this last crime spree, he seemed to be demon-possessed, like he just couldn't stop killing. Following a change of venue to Miami, Bundy stood trial for the child mega homicides on july the 24th 1979 ted bundy a sick demonic perverted twisted psychopath was sentenced to death the state of florida oddly allowed bundy to marry a woman while he was in prison carol boone they married and despite the fact that they were not allowed to have conjugal visits they allowed it anyway and she became pregnant with ted bundy's child in 1981, Boone gave birth to their daughter. And I pray that this child has a good life and that this child is not haunted by the memories of her father. What do we make of Ted Bundy's criminal mind? Ted Bundy underwent several psychiatric examinations. One doctor said that Bundy had bipolar disorder. She also said that he might have a multiple personality disorder. In the end that they found that Bundy had traits of being a sociopath and a psychopath, big surprise there. Doctors found that Bundy had a complete lack of remorse for his crimes. 
Let me say that again. Doctors found that Ted Bundy had a complete lack of remorse for his crimes. And here's the big surprise. They found Ted Bundy to be a narcissist. Prosecutor George Deckel wrote, sociopaths are egotistical manipulators who think that they can con anyone. Sometimes he even manipulates me, admitted one psychiatrist. Ted Bundy was a true psychopath, a cold-blooded, demon-filled killer with no remorse. Interestingly, the day before he was executed, Ted Bundy granted an interview with Christian psychologist Dr. James Dobson of Focus on the Family. Bundy went into some detail about his experiences with pornography and said that it had roots in his crimes. He said that it happened in stages. He said, my experience with pornography that deals with a violent nature with sexuality. He said, once you become addicted to it, you start looking for something more potent, more graphic, more graphic material until porn is not enough. Bundy went on violence in the media, in particular sexual violence, sends boys down the road to being Ted Bundy. I would like to say something about that statement. Bullcrap. Ted Bundy right here is using pornography, and I'm sure that there may have been some gateways there, but he's using pornography as an excuse when the actual truth is Ted Bundy is evil. He was evil for a long time, probably evil way before he ever saw a pornography film. Folks, in this world, there is good and evil. Ted Bundy was evil. He was demonic. On one occasion, Bundy even tried to blame his victims. How sick is that? But that's what they do. That's what a sociopath, that's what a psychopath does, a narcissist. Bundy said this of his victims, I have known people who radiate vulnerability. Their facial expressions say, I'm afraid of you. These people invite abuse. They encourage it, he said. What a sick, narcissistic statement. The night before he was executed, Bundy confessed to over 30 murders, and the real total is unknown, and some believe that it's over 100. One FBI agent said that he spoke with Bundy about 36 murders, and Bundy looked at him and said, add one more digit to that and you'll have it. We have no idea how many people he actually killed. I would like to play a YouTube video for you now that is a woman that survived being picked up by Ted Bundy. He was offering her a ride. This is from KIRO7 News on YouTube. Listen to this. Seattle, the handsome young man seemed more friendly than foreboding. So you hopped in his car, not thinking it was going to be a problem at all? No, I thought how ha happy I am now. I'm in a warm car and I get to get to where I'm going. As the Volkswagen bug took off down Rainier Avenue South, so Tria said it quickly became clear. This would be no ordinary ride, and this was no good Samaritan. It was Ted Bundy. Right about here, everything changed. He started, you know, reaching under the seat, started yelling at me, why did you take this ride? Why did you even think about taking this ride? You're never going to make it to the school. And I thought, wow. You were thinking about jumping out? Yes. Why didn't you? I couldn't. There was no handle. No handle on the door? No handle on the door at all, nope. So Tria would soon learn it might be hair, not heroics, that could save her life. Shut the up. She says Bundy's beratement led to a bizarre demand. He goes, take your hat off. And I said, what do you mean take my hat off, my stocking cap off? What for? I took my hat off and he saw that something was different about me. And he goes, why did you cut your hair? I thought, 
why did I cut my hair? I keep thinking, did he stalk me? Did he see me somewhere? Was he waiting for me or was he watching me? He says, well, put that hat back on. And then he said, shut the up. And he's yelling at me, you're never going to make it. He may have been involved in the rape murders of 36 women, all young and all with long brown hair. So Tria speculates the hair that she had cut a week earlier may have saved her life. He could have killed me. It was just thank God I had gotten my hair cut that I probably wouldn't be talking to you today. An hour into her odyssey, so Tria says Bundy dropped her off in front of her school, shoving her to the ground and reminding her of just how lucky she was. Yeah, so I, I, that's when I realized I was a lucky lady. So Tria says she told her family about the man, but not police. You know, I didn't talk about it because I was a little bit embarrassed about it. He was attractive, intelligent, and able to charm women and men alike. It wasn't until a year and a half later, while watching TV, that Sotria says she realized she'd been picked up by a suspected serial killer. I knew 100% that was the guy, yeah. If you ever wondered whatever happened to his car, Ted Bundy's 1968 Volkswagen Beetle was displayed in the lobby of the National Museum of Crime and Punishment in Washington, D.C., until it was closed in 2015. It presently sits on exhibit in a town in Tennessee. Police still have Bundy's handcuffs, gloves, ropes, flashlight, the tire iron, ice pick, ski mask, all of that stuff that was found. And it says in an article that I read there are actually, there are actually Polaroid photographs of Bundy's victims that have been found. I hope not. I hope none of that exists. On January the 24th, 1989, Ted Bundy's victims, their families and their friends were given justice. At 7.16 a.m., Bundy died in the electric chair. 2,000 volts of electricity surged through the killer's body. Ted Bundy was 42 years old. Finally, justice was served. Thank you for joining us today on True Criminal Minds. I'm your host, Douglas Boyd. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider subscribing to it. Share it with your friends if you want to. Join us next time as we delve into the sick and twisted mind of those with a true criminal mind. Thank you.